0: Welcome to the Alienist Angel of Darkness Recap Podcast. My name is Alex, and I have not read Caleb Carr's The Angel of Darkness.
1: And my name is Nick, and I have read The Angel of Darkness.
0: Today we will be discussing season the Season 2 finale of the TNT series titled Better Angels. We will not be spoiling any of the book, and by extension, any fe- future plotlines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the season through Episode 8, so pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of the episode. This is the recap for Episode 8. We are putting them out about 12 hours apart since the show is airing two episodes per week. So if you meant to uh, download Episode 7, please go back and check our feed for that. You can find more episodes of our podcast at thealienist.tv, and you can send feedback to feedback at thealienist.tv to tell us what you think of our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to mpn.bz/patreon and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K. and Tom Z., who have pledged at the level of $10 per month. And speaking of the other shows on the Midwest Podcast Network, please check out Horror Movie Your Books' latest episode with their vampire movie bracket, as well as the latest episode of the Midwest Game
1: Nerds, where we talked about Carrion and Grounded.
0: Nick, how are you doing?
1: You know, doing great. I'm, I'm glad we're here. We've made it. I was... Uh All these four weeks of intense watching (laughs) and listening. I was telling my wife earlier, I said, you know, I can't, now that we've done it this way, I can't even begin to imagine that we'd only be on episode four of the season. Like, that feels like it would be an eternity. And for some reason, it would just work, this worked out really well, I think. It did work out very well.
0: I feel very, I feel much more energized about the season right now than I did at the end of eight episodes of Westworld. Um, yeah, same, but at the same time, there's part of me that's wondering if people feel as though one of the episodes per week feels a little more energetic than the other one, you know, because we always record, you know, the first episode of the night might be a little bit, bit more energetic from us. We might get a little bit more tired in the second episode or something like that, or, if maybe we would have given a little more time to certain things, but I never feel like we're kind of cutting each other short or anything like that, Mm-mm. so no, me neither I think it's worked out pretty well, um regardless of whether or not two episodes per week is like optimal viewing or not it's 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 kind of blown my mind a little bit, but we've been doing binge watching of all kinds of crap since the advent of Netflix, so it doesn't feel that out of sorts. yeah, exactly. It's Don't. just unusual for us. With first time we've ever done anything like this. Yeah, we we haven't tried to talk about a show in a sense when like two episodes are coming out at a time. So, yeah. And I've always been skeptical of like, would people listen to a podcast? Um, would would they stop and listen to an episode, in, a podcast episode, in between episodes, or would they listen to both of them, even if they've already seen both episodes? That type of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I wondered back when Stranger Things season one came out, I was, we, I think we talked about it in like an episode or something of the film nerds. And I remember thinking, could a podcast about a show that is all dumped out at once work? Yeah. And I wanted to, I was so enthralled with it at the time, I was seeking out other shows about it. And I found one that was like, it was like the Stranger Things show and they were I think I got like midway through episode one of their show. And I realized I was like, it's just, it's already all, all happened. Exactly. It's hard exactly. for me to see so you as the listener slash watcher have to decide if you're disciplined enough to watch an episode, listen to the show, watch another, listen to the show, or, you know, if it's going to work for you or not, I don't think that it was going to work for me in that instance, but yeah,
0: but I think, yeah, I think like you're saying, it is very individual to the type of person yeah. I I I know that there are other shows that I've seen like I'll listen to multiple podcasts about one particular show. Yep. Same. But, but it's hard for me to kind of think about pacing myself or listening to the episode 1 podcast if I've already seen the finale of something or something like that, mm-hmm. you know. So.
1: Yeah, and I love I love listening to multiple shows about the same movie. Like if if a movie yeah. came out in theaters which who knows if they ever will again. Uh, I would try to seek out multiple episodes about it across different shows to get different people's perspectives and viewpoints. Yeah, so I, I wonder how other people feel
0: about this. If you have any thoughts about it, please write in. It might inform what we do in the future if we pick another TV show, or yeah. shall we talk about a show like Rubicon that you can't even really watch anywhere and is all out already, though? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the sound of me sucking in all the air in the room. Because <laughs> I really want to do that. <laughs> so, yeah I, yeah. I think it would be a fun thing to tackle. Like something, you know, it works well with stuff that's been out for a while, too. That's true. Like, like if a somebody. Yes, yep. exactly. Yeah. Because I was just trying to, th- for some reason, the example I thought of was like, oh, if I was going to do that with a show, well, what's an example? And for some reason, I don't know why. I thought of Tron Uprising. And I was mm. like, yeah, even though I could just binge that now, I would listen to episode by episode people talk about it, but it's because time has passed and it's also kind of a niche thing. It also kind of there's something about being swept up in the fandom of something along with somebody yeah. that makes it really enjoyable. For sure. For sure.
0: Audience, think- let us know what you think. We'll we'll take your feedback and maybe do something with
1: it. So mm.
0: shall we move on
1: with the recap? Yeah, I do want to note because I've had a different drink every episode or I've I've strived to. In episode seven, I was sipping on a, I had a shot glass with some coffee liqueur in it mm. because I felt the same way I did in life when I was watching episode seven. I was like, I need something to push me through this to the end. <laughs> so, I have my coffee liqueur and now I've got a nice glass, which I already started on a little bit of some nice port. I felt I needed some fancy uh. after dinner type drink. Now that we've reached the end of the series, but well, I realize I should have poured a glass of American bourbon, uh, like Lazlo yes. requests at the end. But maybe yes. next time I see you, we'll have a glass of American bourbon together. And an egg cream. Yes. As we've been promising to do. First and foremost. <laughs> yeah. We actually saw each other in person this past weekend for we the did. first time in ages, Yeah, it felt like. And uh, it was awesome. Yes. We, had, we, we were so ate.
0: excited to see
1: each other, we forgot about bringing the ingredients to make egg cream. To make egg creams, yeah. Instead, we ate lobster rolls uh, in my... Oh, we weren't in my backyard, we were in the dining room, but... Equally as rich. Almo- yes, and almost <laughs> like eating at Delmonico's. Very close. Ah, uh, yes. Absolutely. And delicious. Those are good. Those
0: are really For sure. Good. They were fantastic. But, anyway, uh, I'm drinking uh, carbonated lemonade, a very fine after-dinner liqueur. Did you make uh, that with a SodaStream? Yes, I did.
1: How are you liking that? Is it cool? Um Egg creams are somewhat carbonated, aren't they? Or not carbonated? There's uh like um uh there's something in it that makes it like fizzy, I think. Hold on.
0: We're looking up egg creams on the podcast.
1: <laughs> uh it's already in my Yeah, carbonated
0: in my Chrome searches. <laughs> it's 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 bookmarked in our favorites. Club and soda. Egg cream is a cold beverage consisting of milk, carbonated water, and flavored syrup, typically chocolate or vanilla.
1: Yeah, this one says uh, chocolate syrup, milk, or half and half. Oh my god! And wow. uh, <laughs> and uh, adding club soda to it. Add a straw and serve very cold. This sounds nuts.
0: It does. We got to try. It, do this. it we so We have good. to do it. We got to do it. We're yeah. gonna
1: do it. We're gonna make it
0: happen. But it sounds good. I'm down to give it a try. I'll yeah. give anything a try. I
1: would love it. I love chocolate to a I stupid too. degree. All right. Anyway. Well, let's get on with the recap. Okay. We could talk about food and desserts for quite some time. I think actually, we have a channel for that in our discord. We so do join our discord. We have a food and cooking channel. It's mostly just Dave Steele posting pictures of his pizzas, but, uh, it's, also it's good wonderful. content. Yeah. But very yes.
0: good. Please, please give us $5 on Patreon and join our, our, our discord. Alright, so, recapping.
1: The How much longer can we stretch this out? No, I'm just <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Libby and Sarah are at a standoff when Libby starts to cut John's throat after she realizes Sarah loves John. Sarah hurriedly exclaims that Clara is at the Chrysler Institute and Libby stops just before getting to John's artery. Libby pauses and is angry that her daughter is in an institute which gives John a moment to overthrow her and pin her down. They try to get to the location of Vander- of the Vanderbilt... They tried to get the location of the Vanderbilt baby from her, but it doesn't work. Um, I just have to say, I was giggling throughout um, John and Libby's struggle because I just was very impressed with the fact that he didn't really overpower her all that much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that was pretty good. Um, but once again, very tense moment. Um, and I was uh shocked with Sarah's ability to say those words as quickly as she did and with she's got very good reflexes to be able to blurt that out just as she as Libby starts cutting John's neck yeah you know it was helpful very, yeah absolutely <laughs> um that being said i don't understand why after this moment they wouldn't uh maybe inform Laszlo that Libby's aware of where the baby is but or of where her child is but that's a little beside the point until
1: later. Yeah.
0: Um, Any other thoughts about their standoff and this confrontation with John? Nope. Let's go. The terrified look in John's face as well, I think, was quite good. I couldn't tell if John didn't want sarah to do anything because sarah needed to find out where the baby was or if he was trying to communicate to her with his eyes that she needed to put the gun down and save his life
1: (laughs) probably the latter (laughs) i'm not ready to die sarah (laughs) yeah Uh, alright,
0: act one, the cops have found Doyle's body, Marcus is there to do his job, but he annoys Burns, who calls it like it is and says that the police work for the rich and not the city as a whole. John is getting patched up at the hospital and Sarah is with him, she explains that she fears that he wants a life that she does not, including children and a a home home, home to come home to or something of that nature. Uh, they need to talk to Libby so they leave together. Burns interrogates Libby, drowning her, trying to get her get answers, but the effort proves useless. Karen is looking after Clara and tells Laszlo that she needs to decide about Vienna soon, so I think I forgot to give up, bring up Vienna. Laszlo expected her to stay, but Karen expected him to come with her, so Laszlo says that his life is here. Meanwhile, the Isaacsons will stay at uh stay the night to guard Clara. Marcus shares a dream with about their mother with Lucius. Fat Jack meets Gugu at the butcher warehouse to inform him that Libby was taken into custody. The Vanderbilt baby is there with them, and Gugu mentions he might just leave the baby there. Sarah, Laszlo, and John arrive at the police station. Burns offers Laszlo the opportunity to interview Libby. Laszlo realizes that she will likely only trust Sarah, so Sarah heads into the cell to talk to Libby. Uh, Thus beginneth Burns' journey in this final episode here. Yeah. From... The heel that he grew to become in the last episode, um, his his kind of notion of his outburst of of the police only helping the rich. I think interesting if late, but um, I like where he goes with the rest of this episode too. So yeah, more on that. he's
1: he's got more depth than I would have initially thought they would have given him, and uh, these kind of little late revelations are interesting. Yeah.
0: Um John and Sarah at the hospital, we can talk about more in the future because
1: obviously all of that does come to a head later in this episode. Mhm. Uh I really I really liked uh when she's it's in that that first part where she's asking him why he thinks he loves her, right? And she's like do you love me as your friend? Because you care about me.
0: She well, she mentions that she um is worried she loves him or he loves her because of her qualities as a friend where they would not be what he would want
1: out of a wife. I think that's kind of how she phrases it. Yep. Yeah. I really liked, uh, so this is what, (laughs) this is what I, I told Sue in the last episode to, to be ready for. I actually find myself really liking the Sarah and John stuff at this point. Yeah. I am invested in their relationship now. And I've, uh, I've grown to really start to buy into it and I place all the credit on Dakota Fanning and Sarah gets yeah. because she's the one thinking about it intelligently and not just like running away in like a flight of fancy with how she feels and these kind of questions are so good and so mature and uh it's awesome to watch the like older man in the relationship be the one who's like put in this position to, add, to have, have to answer these questions. But his answers are good. And I think he does mean it, especially when he said she challenges him. And that was like the quality that like really stuck with me because I thought that's a really good, in, in my opinion, that's a good sign. And like a partner is someone who will challenge you and who will push you and who will make you think twice about everything. And uh, it's a similar thing to what Laszlo kind of says later to Karen. It's kind of a similar uh, examination of why he's compelled and and attracted to her. And I just liked... I I think at this point, I'm really... I'm buying into the, the changed man, John Moore. And I'm less uh nostalgic for and wanting the, the sort of Rapscallion John from the book who <laughs> would never change and who would just lean into his alcoholism and gambling problem. Although he makes for a more entertaining character, uh he's he's a more well rounded and interesting character at this point, I think, in the show. And it's uh I, I actually really liked that whole discussion, the whole conversation.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was very um you're right. Like I, it didn't even necessarily occur to me that the the younger person here is the one that is actually asking these questions because she, things that she's actually talking about, like she's a hundred percent right. In pretty much everything that she asks about. And it's not the type of thing that anybody who hasn't been around the block several times wouldn't be asking themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Even nowadays, you know, like a lot of the questions that they're asking are things that some couples just don't even think to talk about. And then it becomes a problem when they're married or, you know, too far down the road together, if that's what they think. But
1: it's remarkable because she's not only aware of her own feelings and, and her own wants out of life. But she knows his better yeah. than he does. And yep. she's kind of making the decision for both of them for the right reasons. And I think that's so awesome and and really admirable from even from a writing perspective that they just give this much agency and drive to Sarah. It's Honestly, and I don't mean to draw another immediate comparison to Preacher, but it's a lot with, like, what they did to Tulip and Preacher. Like, they really beefed up that character in a really significant and uh, and important way and improved her. And I feel the same way about Sarah in the show now. Sarah in the book is a great character, too, but she's way less of a character with her own well, motivations. And it's interesting. You, you you talk about Preacher, which is a story
0: that was written by Garth Ennis. Um, and Caleb Carr obviously wrote The Alienist, but I'm wondering if simply the dynamic of including women in these writing rooms for these TV shows could have been something yeah. that kind of, you know, like no, I wouldn't be that dumb. Like any anybody wouldn't be that dumb. Or maybe it's in the case where it's like I've been in that position when I was younger, and this is what I was thinking about, or things of like that. And like simply just having that other perspective, I think. As Laszlo does with Karen in his life, um, mm-hmm. you know, can change the way that things kind of form together, and I like that. Like those are certainly things that you came away from, even in Preacher and in this, seeing yeah. that, like the strength of those characters is something that doesn't
1: necessarily take away from the story, right? So, yeah. and it enhances it in a lot of ways. When both of those works were from years ago, I mean, Preacher, I think is from like the late nineties early 2000s and the alienist is from the 90s uh obviously times have changed and yeah we live in an era where people are giving more consideration which is good i mean it's it's strides in the right direction but also it does also suffer a little bit because preacher is jesse's is like jesse's story the alienist is john's story and the angel of darkness is stevie's story and the Angel of Darkness, the show, is Sarah's story. Like, she's yeah. basically the main character, and it's awesome. It works yeah. so well. Absolutely. And it's not something I would have anticipated happening after the first season, after just the Alienist, but it's wonderful.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would be interested to know what kind of led to that that pivot. And, and maybe it was even just... Um, dakota fanning kind of being like hey sarah's cool here but let's like let's take it somewhere and and, be." and i think you know or whoever's decision it was i think it was a great thing to lean into for season two
1: so definitely
0: um burns interrogating libby he gives a very fantastic monologue yep he says ordinarily i'd talk to someone such as yourself first that would be the first degree and if the truth weren't forthcoming i'd subject you to the second degree I broke all creation and all nature and all wrath my, in my time. Even the toughest ones crack when they've been subjected to the burns third degree. <laughs> oh. did, your, did your facial hair instantly grow? Oh yeah, no, I had a curly mustache that you can grew. You could hear it. <laughs> yep, yeah, it was it was thick enough to wax into a curl as of yesterday when I trimmed it off. But uh, the th- third, the fact that he says burns third degree. Like, I just wonder if they filmed it where he said the third degree burns.
1: (laughs) I want want a a, a headshot of Ted Levine and a placard with that monologue on it. And I'll hang it in my daughter's room. (laughs) There you (laughs) go. It's so sweet. (laughs) It's a great great scene. And like, really, I feel like this is one where Ted Levine walked on. He did his weird little strut onto set and he was like, (laughs) Get out of my way, you scrubs. You're about to see some acting. <laughs> Listen, Watch out, because the tell, scenery's getting chewed. Yeah, tells the director, just leave. He tells the <laughs> DP, put one light directly above my head. Everyone else, get lost. And he rolls up his sleeves. He looks like you see those old-timey, like, like fighter guys. with like the, the, It's the, the Pugetism
0: Illustrated cover from <laughs> Fallout 3. Yes. It's, it's literally just... The most manliest boxing man, you know. I forget what the meme is. There's a meme with, like, the... Yeah, the, uh, yeah I know what yeah. you're
1: talking about. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Uh, and you know what's really doubly brutal? Is if they had bothered to do Roosevelt properly, Ted Levine would have uh, made a wonderful Roosevelt. <laughs> as delightful as he is as Burns. Um, well, and that's the thing. It feels
0: like... Um, Ted Levine is the is is the Teddy Roosevelt that Teddy grows into be, right? Mm. It's not like they have the younger Teddy that they want yeah. to have in
1: in this time period. That's true. Yeah, Ted Levine's like 60 something and just so good. I mean that mustache it cannot be handled. No. Absolutely not. It's it's everything
0: so good. I'm so glad that Like, I feel like Ted Levine did leave a little bit of a mark in season one, but fucking season two is where he did the work. Absolutely.
1: It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it was a great scene.
0: Um, so I did forget to bring up the idea that Karen was going to Vienna, uh, in the last season. She's had an invitation from Dr. Freud to come and and work in, in Vienna, and she, uh, clearly wants Laszlo to come with her, um... And Laszlo isn't so sure, but we can talk more about that at the end, because it kind of becomes more apparent what's going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fat Jack leaving Gugu,
1: or Fat Jack and Gugu leaving the baby. Yeah, I was laughing really hard when Fat Jack was walking around going, Gugu, Gugu, <laughs> Gugu, Gugu. Gugu. <laughs> Seriously, it was cracking me up. Yeah. And then Gugu grabs him by, by like the throat. And he's like, it's me. And I was like, yeah, duh. It's so <laughs> stupid. I hate that in movies when characters do that kind of shit. Because I'm like, yeah, we, we know. There's yep. a great joke in The Final Sacrifice where that happens. Where like in broad daylight a character grabs another. And like a long beat happens. Then the one one of the guys who goes like, it's me. And the other one goes, I know. And it's so <laughs> funny. Because it's exactly that. There, there's, there's another trope like that that happens later in this episode that made me so annoyed and we'll get mm. there. All right. Um,
0: yeah. And then, uh, Sarah being the one to go in and talk to Libya, I thought was interesting. And like you said, the story has kind of very much become Sarah's. Yep. And it's interesting to me that Laszlo certainly does like the, the, I guess here's a question for you. The title of this book is the angel of darkness. It is no longer the alienist. Mm-hmm. The show is the alienist angel of darkness. Do you feel like the second book became less about Laszlo and more about the team or like, is is there any kind of indication or do you just feel like this is kind of a show thing for it to have become? It's a Sarah's- show thing.
1: Okay. I mean, it, the whole team is important in both books. I think the alienist is just called alienist because laszlo is sort of i mean but it's told from john's perspective so it's just a good title really and it uh i mean it is kind of about it's it is primarily i guess about how the idea of having an alienist or a psychologist working with police can help catch these types of characters and that's why they're in the book there's such an emphasis on laszlo needing to join the team. And there's that whole discussion about like, oh, will he, because he's emotionally and mentally fragile right now. And we need him. Like, that's the thing that Sarah kind of initially, when she comes to them with the case, she's like, should we call Aslo? And Moore's like, not yet. He's like, I want to, I don't want to bother him until we know it's going to potentially need him because they're all feeling he's mourning still. And not only the loss of Mary, but the loss of the Institute. So that's why he goes with the Isaacsons to interview the scene senora because he, then he's like, okay, yeah, this is Lazlo. We'll eat this shit up. And, uh, to the point where I don't remember if I mentioned this, I don't think I did in earlier weeks, but after they all talk to the senora, um, they say like, okay, like you can go and we'll be in touch and we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk amongst ourselves and, and, they have the, they're at the 808 building and there's like the board and the piano and all that. And then there's the desks because they all had desks where they would sit and work. And as the senora is getting ready to leave, she says something to the effect of like, um, we'll see what happens when he, when he joins us or whatever. And they're all like, what? And she points to the fifth desk and she's like, whoever the man is that sits at that desk is clearly important. Mm. And you need him. as part of your team and it's this awesome moment where they all kind of have this collective like i don't know how to describe they they're just it's one of those moments in the book where there's this kind of shiver runs up you because you know that like they're not they're not whole without him yeah and uh even the senora she doesn't even know who it is but she knows like whoever sits at that desk is integral to the process she can tell somebody's missing yeah right exactly um so he is uh, he is essentially he fills the same role in the second book as he does. I, I think the big thing, the big difference is Sarah is not, uh, she doesn't have the same role in the book as she does in the show. It's definitely more of a show thing. And I think it's an a, it's a bit of an improvement.
0: Well, and I guess playing off of that, that's the thing is that it feels like even early in the season, we have moments where Laszlo is dissecting this information and still wants to pin things on Marco is yep. something that we talked about, or like he's got, different ways of thinking about things, but oftentimes Sarah is the one who's going just that little step further that actually gets her to where she's on track, right? Mm-hmm. With whatever Laszlo's alienism is bringing to to the table. And so I th- I feel as though it's kind of interesting that, like, Laszlo's information leads them down the right path, but I feel like Laszlo himself, by function, probably... Is just left of center in in a lot of the cases here. Yeah, and that's and the, I, that's I, the thing that,
1: in the in the book is he's he's more influenced by his own biases than he would care to be, hmm. or than he normally would be because he's already kind of off his game a little bit, and uh, he brings he unfortunately brings some of his past and his own baggage into it and it definitely clouds his vision and he reaches a point where he realizes like I'm I'm hindering the investigation because I'm bringing shit to this that isn't there.
0: I think he I think he ultimately kind of gets there in the season not with respect to the investigation but obviously in his like exploration of things with Karen. So I think mm-hmm. it I think they arrive in similar places but just not necessarily to the same effect, right? Definitely. So. Good way to put it. All right, act 2 Sarah gains Libby's trust and bonds more deeply with her when they find out that they share the fact that their mothers might not have been meant to be mothers. Sarah offers to bring Clara to Libby, but only if Libby tells her where the Vanderbilt baby is. Libby tells Sarah, and then Sarah betrays her trust. Burns and the police head down to the butcher's warehouse with John in tow to retrieve the Vanderbilt baby. They find nobody waiting for them except for a dog. John picks up the baby and heads to the hospital with it, while Burns is puzzled that nobody was there waiting for them. Gugu and the Dusters wait outside uh, the police precinct with weapons in hand. Um, This is something I was dancing around in the last episode. Sarah and Libby's kind of final bonding moment is the idea that their mothers did not necessarily want to have them or weren't meant to be good mothers. Yep. um, Which is heartbreaking, but I really... I haven't really thought about it enough and maybe it'll be something we can touch on in the finale but like I'm trying to start to track why like what exactly would have been the splitting point for Sarah and Libby because they feel like very similar people but obviously Libby had a lot of trauma related with the child and and things earlier on in her life. Sarah had similar trauma with her father but didn't have that whole baby component so it feels like it'd it'd be interesting to kind of examine them both and see where the splits completely occur um but i wasn't expecting there to be as much about how similar the both of them are and i I feel like i enjoyed that um but i i don't necessarily know if the show kind of crosses the t and dots the i on the whole idea gotcha so i don't know if you have any thoughts on the matter or we
1: can discuss them later only that I was uh, I was still late this late in the game expecting Libby to be like, psych, none of that's true. That's not mm. my origin and I'm not going to tell you kind of thing. Interesting. Which would be like a total book Libby move to like yeah. paint Sarah, to ha- have Sarah think she's this, like I said, the scene in the, where they're having lunch that one time and she kind of wins her over and disarms her. I kind of thought that we were being set up that that was all a ploy. But really, yeah. it turns out that it was largely true, and they did have a moment where they bonded. And, and Libby's just more insane than calculating. Yeah, but it's a good scene. Yeah, yeah. like like you said, the the continued ties that bind them uh, are interesting. Yeah, um, more more holding the baby was awesome. <laughs> it was incredible. He's but... got these big hands. Like Luke well, Evans has only... big paws. He's got that. I know babies are the newborn baby like that is tiny, but he just like, I'm like, dude, that guy's got some beast hands. Well, and just like the
0: look on his face when he picks up that baby, it looks like he's like discovered the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. It's (laughs) incredible. It's so good. And I mean, it is a Vanderbilt baby, so it's probably a metaphorical pot of gold. But that's true. It also just like the wonder on his face was it's like the first time he's
1: ever seen a baby in his life. Yeah. and we were there for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so. true. It does help, you know, demonstrate what he really wants. One hundred percent. Yeah, it was. It was a beautiful yeah. moment. I undercut I, I, by I, I, me it was... just staring at his hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, God, is he having a reaction to something? Where his hands? So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: where they filmed the show in Bulgaria or something? <laughs> yeah. There's something in the water. Yep. Ugh. No, I thought it was funny when he's in the back of the paddy wagon with them. I was like, <laughs> "What is he doing there? <laughs> Why is he with them?" And it's like, "Oh, he's there to retrieve the baby because he's he's sure, sure. He's got to be the there to tell the their story full with horses and guns." Yeah,
1: yeah, that uh, would have been a, that would have been a good moment where Bookmore would have probably been like pulled out like a handkerchief to like cover his nose or something, <laughs> like some smell, or he would have like complained about his trousers getting dirty. <laughs>
0: There's poo-poo in this baby's diaper. <laughs> poo-poo. <laughs> um, and then Gugu, I liked Burns kind of being like, why the fuck isn't anybody here? And then we see that the, that the mm-hmm. Dusters are waiting at the precinct. So Yep. Let's move on to Act 3. Google. And the Dusters hit up the police precinct, shooting and beating nearly everyone that they come into contact with. Laszlo and Sarah are hidden in a locked cell with the keys. Libby sees and hears Gugu, and he retrieves her from her cell. As they leave to get Clara, Laszlo and Sarah exit the cell and see the carnage. As Marcus checks in on Clara, he hears the glass break. He wakes up Lucius and heads out to investigate. Lucius stumbles right into Libby and Gugu and gets knocked out. Marcus approaches from behind, but gets shot in the gut by Gugu's shotgun. Libby and Gugu find Clara. Clara clings to the doorway, but Gugu pulls her hair and drags her along. Lucius wakes up to find Marcus bleeding out and he prays for Marcus to stay alive. Um the Dusters attacking the police station I thought was more brutal than I expected them to show in uh, on a cable TV show for yeah, some reason. Yeah. It was sweet. It was it was pretty crazy. Um and the idea of them hiding in a cell with the keys
1: was felt very ingenious to me. I never would have thought of that idea. I thought but. it was going to go sideways though. I thought they were going to find them and just like throw something flammable in there and just like smoke them out or something. Like I thought this isn't going to work.
0: Well, and I like up until the moment where the dude is like, here's the keys too. I was like, Oh, is, are they just going to get screwed by this in some yeah. other way too? Right. Like, yeah. Burns going to walk in and be like, well, you're in a cell now and I've got you."
1: Yeah. And then <laughs> fortunately because of Gugu who was like, Hey, we got to get out of here. Cause all the mm-hmm. cops in the city are about to be back. Yeah. 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 It was right. short-sighted of them to uh, just send out pretty much everybody, yes, instead of leaving some people behind. But what do I know?
0: Well, and the, like I think Burns kind of justifies it as you hear him say something as they're all gearing up in like a great sequence, which is like pulling the guns off the shelf and that type yeah. of thing when the police are heading out. That's, That's a good true. trope, I think. Um, but the he mentions that they feel as though the dusters are going to be waiting for them.
1: Yeah, which and- is which is valid. I think
0: it is quite valid but also yeah maybe a bad idea to send everybody out. Um all right. Marcus, Nick is shaking his head. <laughs> what do you have to say? Um very disappointed honestly. Like mm-hmm. and and I like we can get to we don't necessarily have to talk about it in depth. I'm fully ready for the show to have a third season. Yeah. But I'm very sad that Marcus would not be in it in this at this point. Mhm. I think we'd be missing something yeah uh although i mean it it might let lucius grow into some interesting places but i don't i would have rather had both of them around to grow into different places
1: Mm -hmm. me too (laughs) 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 yeah Uh, i hate i hate when a character gets knocked out in a movie or a show and then they come to like minutes or hours later that drives me crazy because it's been talked about so much like writers know at this point that that's not how it works that doesn't happen if it does you are permanently brain damaged or dead <laughs> like if you're out for more than like a span of seconds you're not getting back up without some help yeah it's just the way it is so i yeah. i hate when that shit happens now it's gotten better like when you, especially when you watch a lot of movies and shit from like the 80s where you see like rambo gets like the butt of a gun to his head and he wakes up like Hours later, night has fallen and he's tied up to something. And you're like, okay, man, come on. Feels like it happens to Bruce Willis in every other movie. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, spoiler, non-spoiler, I guess. Marcus does not die in the book. Yeah. This is, this is show. And I hate it so much. It doesn't do anything for anyone. It yeah. doesn't even give... If this happened in episode two... Or something where Lucius would have the chance to get his shot back on Gugu, I maybe would accept it more. But it happens like twenty minutes later, and then I'm just like, I don't care. It doesn't make it better. It's yeah. you. The Isaacsons are so like they're so symbiotic in the book, and they're so much fun. They're such good characters, and they're so much more fun than they are. I mean, they're good in the show, and and they're they're really close to their their counterparts, and you get a lot of that playful back and forth with them. It's still not it still never reaches the potential of what it should, though, because like mm. ideally they'd be in the background of like every scene, like you would see them arguing with each other and like throwing up their hands and bickering. <laughs> and like that's just the way they are. And it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. I'm telling you, if you if you get around to reading the books, you're going to love them so much. They're so great. And when this happened, this is the first time where I sat up in my seat like what now I was like, there's stakes. And it wasn't even Libby that did it, so that I was kind of like, ugh. Yeah. See? Like, it was fine, I guess, but that it wasn't her, but it, if it had been Libby, it would have pushed her more into where I kind of expected her to be, and instead it was Gugu, and I was like, come on, man. Also, compounded by Lucius just not pulling the trigger when he had the chance. Yeah,
0: even both of them, like, Marcus wheels up on them and announces himself rather than, you know... Firing on the dude who may have just killed his brother, right? For all he knows.
1: Which I get, like as a as a cop that's their training, i suppose, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean in twenty twenty it's pretty thin.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, and that's that's the thing. I'm it's funny because as Nicole and I were watching, she's like, Why aren't they shooting anybody? They should be shooting these
1: people. And I was like, Well, Cops aren't supposed to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> That's they are, That is true. They're not supposed to. But these are m- known murderers. Mm-hmm. Like, Gugu Knox is a murderer. Like, in the book, they're like, hey, stay away from that dude. Like, and they set him up that way in the show, too. They're like, mm-hmm. he has a reputation and steer clear because he'll stab you in the eye as quick as anything. Like, and the whole thing, I just was like, ugh, these guys, yeah. this is why no one in the force takes him seriously. Like... Dispense some violence, man, when you need to in your in your own self-interest and preservation of your fellow lawman. Like, also, where was Marcus? Like it. Yeah. Where whole, did
0: he go to investigate the
1: glass? The break? geography like, of the scene was confused. Anyway, I there's not there's really nothing more I could say about. it. I hate it. I hate it. Full, full tilt. There's no nothing murmur. good enough will come out of it that'll make me forgive the idea that the Isaacsons aren't there together. So, yeah,
0: that's it. I I agree. Even as somebody who did not read the book. Uh, act four. The next day, Lucius sits Shiva and his and Marcus's apartment. Burns, Joanna, John, Sarah, and Laszlo all pay their respects. He blames himself for not being able to shoot Gugu. True. John tells Sarah that while he has dreamed of having kids, he truly wants her. Laszlo and Sarah drink in her office, talking about their relationship problems when John comes by with the police department's case information on Libby. Libby. Sarah and Laszlo realize Libby is retreating to happy memories in her past, and John connects the dots with the house painting on Mallory's wall. They get the address and head out. Libby gives ballet lessons to a scared Clara as Gugu lays back on the couch. Burns is outside waiting for Sarah to arrive, and he displays an unusual amount of discipline in knowing that they can't go in guns blazing. Sarah, and John, Sarah John, and Laszlo head in and alert Gugu to their presence. Gugu tries to flank them. But Lu- Lucius shows up to shoot Gugu dead before he can fire his gun. The crew heads into the room where Libby and Clara are. Libby threatens to kill Clara on the spot to stop her from being hurt by anyone else, but Laszlo and Sarah convince her to let Clara go. Libby shares that Clara was the only thing to stop her pain, at least for a little while, and that moves Sarah to tears as the cops come and take Libby away. Um, I did like the Shiva scene burns kind of coming to say his piece like it feels like this is the really like the moment where burns starts to show more respect for these people yeah as laszlo john and sarah like walk in he even like gives them an actual nod rather than like ignoring or Mm -hmm. leering at them dumping Um, their books exactly yeah and him kind of being like you know, Lucius Marcus was one of us, as you are too, and 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 that kind of thing. So I like the moment for Burns, um, but as I'm I
1: thinking. said, nothing good enough will come out of this. Not even the re- <laughs> the continued redemption of Thomas Burns. <laughs> Agreed.
0: No, it um, is a
1: good scene. I mean, there's always something about a morning scene that you it's it's an it's a cheap way to get me or other viewers to kind of be like, oh, wow, this is a good scene because it can often be some of the most revealing and, and beautiful uh interconnected moments of a group of friends or family. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was like, Lucius is worthless without Marcus. Like he's what you said. I mean, you're you're not wrong. It's going to be the opportunity for Marcus to like step out on his own and really like grow as a character because of the two, especially in the book, Lucius is definitely like the passive. He's arguably yeah. the more brilliant one, but he's definitely not the the more active of the two. He's definitely a much more passive and, and submissive personality. And- exactly. Yeah. And uh, truly, he's like a twin. I don't remember if they're twins in the book. I think they are. I don't know if they're supposed to be twins in the show. I don't remember. But you definitely... F- it would be, you know, a twin losing their twin. Like it, it honestly would just devastate and gut them and render, render Lucius pretty, pretty useless. So I don't know the whole thing. I was just like, but again, and I get it. Marcus died, but part of me is like, what are they doing here? Like Libby's yeah. out there and they're all stopping to sit down and have tea and like hang out. and And there's even the scene where they go into the kitchen together and they're like talking and there's like the food out. And I was like, I feel like in the book, Lucius would be like, Guys, keep, get the fuck out of he'd here. He'd be like, yeah. keep going. Marcus would be like, What are you doing here? There's a killer on the loose. And th- we didn't even get that moment, as, as tropey and cheesy as it would be. So yeah. anyway. Small, small potatoes. Yeah.
0: Um nice moment between John and Sarah.
1: Uh but that's really all it is. Yeah. And I, like I said, I like it. I like the I yeah. like it. Yeah. There it is.
0: Um, so a little bit more police, final police work here where they're trying to figure out where Libby has gone once again. And John, of course, managed to draw a picture of the painting that was on the wall, which is neither here nor there, I guess, but John's useful for something.
1: <laughs> yeah. It seems. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to throw him a bone.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was I was expecting them to show that Libby had killed whoever occupied that house mm. until they showed that the house was pretty decrepit, but I figured that would have been another place to show how monstrous she was that they didn't necessarily take, um, but yeah, I mean, it, the, the final mechanics of this all feel like they leave a little bit to be desired, especially with Gugu's demise and like John just basically punching through the glass door and and, and all that type of stuff just kind of felt a little bit clumsy compared to where things could have headed. I don't know exactly how I would have wanted it to happen differently,
1: but it's all very um, rapid. It happens really quick.
0: It happens extremely fast. Yeah. So it's it's kind of um, like once again, we get another great moment of Sarah and Libby connecting and that happens five times in these two episodes so it's a little hard for to talk about it the fifth time in a row but um you know i i honestly i guess i should have mentioned in the prison scene i think i think rosie mcewen continues to do a fantastic job i think she would be somebody that i would expect to to see some type of nomination for even for this particular case but Um, the acting between the two of them, I think, is quite wonderful, so. Yeah, she's great. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I I guess I like that even in the end, if Libby's completely gone off the deep end, she, it feels like she hasn't, like, the reason that I like that she hasn't necessarily gone off the deep end is that she does still care about this daughter that she thought she had lost, and it does show that there's the shred of humanity left in her. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I appreciate that. But I also understand where you're coming from and the idea that she could have just been this, like, soulless husk of a monster that's exacting the whims of this former person. Yep. So. Any other thoughts? No. All right. Act five is a lot. So uh, I'm going to stop a little bit way through. As the Journal and the Times both report that Gugu is gone, Libby is in custody, and her daughter was rescued unharmed, we hear that John has received a promotion, and Vanderbilt is singing his praises. He seeks to hire Joanna to his new team, but she's leaving for a more progressive paper in Weeksville. Violet shows up and tells John that they need to talk. Laszlo has a drink at Cyrus's and receives a book about Frederick Douglass from Cyrus. Laszlo wonders if he's been hiding behind the walls of the Institute, and Cyrus tells him that he's felt the most like himself when he's been away from the institute. John finds Sarah at her office digging bullets out of the furniture with a Balkan dagger. He informs Sarah that Violet is pregnant and he is the father. Sarah shares a bittersweet congratulations as John confides in her that he hopes he finds a piece of his late brother and his child. they so we'll stop there briefly. Um, John getting a promotion feels nice. Him kind of saying, uh, He feels like he's been a fake up until now and he feels like he's actually found a purpose in, in, at the times I think is really nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of self-discovery that happened with him and it's, uh, it's beautiful.
0: Um, and then what did you make of Laszlo and Cyrus? Like, I feel like, um, you know, you were disappointed that Cyrus isn't as prevalent in the story as he is in the book, but how do you feel about Cyrus's role in the season and where this kind of final scene leaves them?
1: I think it's it's good that the show puts Cyrus in a place where they're they're more like equals. They're not like employer and employee because that's obviously filled with a lot of ugly trappings, considering like the race issues yeah. uh, of the time. But I feel like the book presents it a little more authentically, though, where like w- what what Laszlo is able to to provide is is a is a good thing for Cyrus and Stevie. But the big caveat there is that they both have criminal records. Mm -hmm. They both were essentially saved from prison sentences by Laszlo in order to come work with him and in both a a doctor patient, that's kind of the smokescreen for it, but it's more that like he just wants to, he knows they just deserve a second chance. So because Cyrus isn't really presented that way in the show, it is a little bit different. He's able to, I think, walk around the world with a little more autonomy. But yeah, it's a, it's a good scene. I mean, I think it's, it's cool that Laszlo is so open to hearing. He's kind of like what Karen says, where she's open to new thoughts and new feelings all the time, that Laszlo is genuinely asking for people's thoughts because he values them. He values their perspective yeah. and he values their input rather than just like, I'm curious about the brain. Tell me what you're thinking. Like, it's, it's hey, you're my friend. And tell me what you think.
0: Well, it it feels like he's come to this place where he realizes that he can learn more about himself from other people than he can by staying in his own head.
1: Yeah. The only kind of sticking point is that Laszlo in the book is very, like, he's driven by the need to help people, especially the kids. And so Laszlo in the show is kind of like, it's kind of going on this, like, kind of weird, like, midlife vision quest sort of yeah, direction, it feels which like feels they... a little selfish and a little a little out of character in that regard. But if I guess if it's presented in the way that he thinks he can improve himself and maybe thereby improve, like, if you stop learning about yourself and the world, then maybe you're not as good as you thought. And he does kind of say later, too, that the Institute will not only continue to be successful without him, but it might even thrive. It might be better perhaps Mm -hmm. without all the attention that he calls to it and himself. So there is that.
0: Well, and they don't really clean up the whole
1: not him, not at
0: all, not, not being able to practice. So I don't really know exactly where that's meant to leave, but if he literally can't serve as right as the head of the Institute, then him going off to learn more isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. So it, but we just don't, we know literally nothing about that situation, yeah, which it that, feels which like. Yeah,
1: which was weird, and it was a weird omission, and I was wondering, like, okay, yeah, same thing, like, okay, is he allowed, because he's at the Institute, like, at the end, so, yeah. yeah, I don't know, like, is everything better? Did Vanderbilt come through on his promise, and and Laszlo's free to continue, or is he just taking a nice six-month vacation with his girlfriend in Europe, and then he'll come back to it and deal with it then? I don't know, it was, yeah, strange.
0: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um and then John and Sarah. Um I liked Sarah digging the bullets out of her yeah. chairs and things. That was very good. Yeah, that's cool. Uh I don't know why, but I felt pretty blindsided by Violet having a baby. Yeah.
1: Pop pa- Papa John, baby. <laughs> Papa John's got a pizza in the oven.
0: <laughs> I uh I was like you. I was with it. I I was on board. I was like, all right, I feel okay with this. And I feel even more... I feel like it feels even more justified to have this tension within John of kind of, do I want to be a father or do I want to be with the woman that I love? And and I think it's it sucks that it comes down to that question, but it doesn't mean that he can't build a love with Violet,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, he does love Violet. He loves yeah. her. It's just a different it's it, it's not the 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 i think more it's just i think it's different it's yeah. different love for sarah and she pretty much says that she's kind of that's why she's continually questioning she's like okay are you just like really into me or yeah. because of all these because we have this shared trauma from these cases and this bond of friendship and co-conspirators or you know do you genuinely love me and can i give you the things that you want mm-hmm. and that's what's Funny and like sad about it, and mirrors endless real life situations for tons of people. Is just like Violet has everything that he wants, and yet he's that's why he still is kind of like an idiot because it's like it's all there, <laughs> yeah. and she's willing to give yep. it to him, and he just is kind of like Mrr. so. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, but yeah, he is clearly blindsided. He seems like he's seen a ghost <laughs> when he's talking to Sarah. I was like, whoa. Yep yeah Yeah. That was wild.
0: Yeah. John Moore still doesn't know how babies are made no. at the age of forty three or whatever age he is. Yeah, we keep saying he's forty three. I don't know.
1: Yeah. It sounds right.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um uh is interesting. How did you like them touching on on his uh him losing his brother? I love it. I know we talked about that last year. Yeah, season. loved it. Yeah. It was
1: a really beautiful it was kind of that sentiment coupled with the kind of the larger picture of what was going on, but I was just like, Man, they really turned John Moore into a different and very, very good full character. Yeah, yeah, I I thought
0: it was very well done, mm-hmm. and it it really kind of made everything click into place is the thing. Like it it made the journey worth it in my opinion. Definitely. Um, so that was good. All right, a couple more things to recap. Karen hands Laszlo his ass in a game of chess, and Laszlo has apparently learned that he's not an omniscient god. He declines to join her in Vienna once again, but she says she's brought, or he says she's brought a desire to change in him. They kiss, and he seems to change his tune about Vienna. John and Sarah dine with Laszlo at Delmonico's to see him off to Vienna, and they share a toast to their friendship. John leaves when Violet arrives for him. Laszlo demonstrates his desire to change when he orders American bourbon straight up to toast with Sarah one last time. Sarah goes to Sing Sing to reflect in the room with the electric chair and to stop to see Libby one last time. She seems to dwell on the connection between her and Libby before leaving without saying a word. Finally, Sarah introduces Kitty Burns to her team of women det- detectives and gives a rousing speech about their roles. They cl- the clock strikes 8 a.m. and they begin their day. Um, Laszlo and Karen. My one regret, I think, about Karen is I kind of wish she was introduced earlier in the season. Mm. Yeah, I think it would have um, given them a little bit more time to play off of each other.
1: Well, we, we I never see them like, just having fun, really. But their yeah. idea, I guess, of fun is pretty different than mine because they're like <laughs> with these weird bars and then like Dell's, and then just like playing chess. And I'm like, man, they're never just they're never just re- they're never relaxed. It's all yeah. This, I like, don't
0: feel like Laszlo ever has his jacket off and is like reading
1: a book or anything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Just sleeps in that suit. Yep. And changes into a fresh suit. That's true. <laughs> he doesn't unwind. Doesn't unwind very well. Yeah, like a few months in Europe will chill him out a little bit.
0: Yeah. Um. What do you think? So, Laszlo leaving for Vienna feels like something show invented, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so whatever. The thing is, like, they they initially were making it seem like they were living there, like permanently. And I know right. they kind of leave it. It's like semi permanent, but they doesn't he say like six months. He says
0: six months and John is kind of like, well, if
1: you ever come back or something like that, so he'll be back. I was like, after he kind of said that and there was a, there was a number attached to it. I was like, six months. Come on. Yeah. That's he'll be back before you know, it like, please. (laughs) I mean, it's not like you have, you know, Skype or anything, but how long of that journey is the ship ride there and back? (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was like, okay, this is not that huge of a deal. They're having dinner. They'll see each other in six months. I mean, shit. So we had dinner the other night. It was almost six months since we saw each other (laughs) (laughs) face to face. Obviously, we have all this technology and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, I mean, he was going to have a great time. Uh, Sarah's going to have a great time running her agency. John's going to be just putting together, just building a crib with his bare hands and (laughs) just enjoying the high life. Uh, smoking
0: his last carton of uh, cigarettes before fatherhood.
1: dude perfecting <laughs> the egg cream recipe because he's gonna make so many when he has a kid <laughs> i also really hope he has a daughter because i feel like seeing john with a little girl would be magical that'd be pretty good yeah absolutely
0: um i like Laszlo ordering the bourbon yep call back
1: to the god that the was f- Fucking phenomenal. And I did not see that level of I didn't think this show was capable of that degree of callback. Like truly, I was <laughs> like, did did they just No. Like that that was really good. I loved that so much. And even Laszlo's face was very like dorky because he was like, Look how clever I am. Do you remember yeah, do you remember yeah. do you do you remember Sarah? It was even the really way funny. he
0: like pushes it out of his mouth a little bit mm-hmm. feels like he's like him trying to be a bit of a he's trying to make his his uh, accent a little bit more American. I've,
1: I've wanted to try on some of this humor that John's always talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, the Sarah
0: uh, going to sing, sing. Um, I felt like they were trying to connect it to the, to the premiere a little bit more. And I don't necessarily know how well it worked. Uh, not that I needed them to like flash back to those moments or anything. I'm surprised like that, they didn't. <laughs> yeah it's it's shocking that they didn't go that far because it hasn't stopped them previously. Oh, it's like, it's
1: shocking <laughs>
0: <laughs> unintentional, but all right um but I didn't it's it's weird. everything feels so rushed in this episode that I wasn't really sure if they could have done a better job kind of rounding things out and reflecting on Martha Knapp and looking at the case as a whole. And seeing, like, we we certainly see what happened afterwards, but there wasn't really any digesting what went
1: on. Yeah, I think that's kind of the thing. Sarah's obviously sitting there exactly recollecting on Martha, like an innocent woman being put to death. And now I think that her visiting the cell afterward is kind of that moment of her reminding herself, like, you know what? As much as I may have bonded with and empathized with this person, there's still a monster who let innocent people pay for her crimes and it's important for her to remember that i'm on this side of the cell they're on that side of the cell for a reason but also like for john and for laszlo life moves on yeah and sarah's kind of stuck in this moment of time that isn't gonna pass easily because as we see yeah. immediately going into the detective agency, like, she's going to be busy. Like, she's a woman women detective working with other women detectives to help women who no one else will help. She does have, I think, a little bit more of an ally in Burns now. Uh, yeah. So, just one thing
0: before we go on to that. The um, I guess another thing that I didn't necessarily think about is that she, even in her final speech, she brings up the idea that we are not measured by our failures, And she felt she had failed Martha Knapp so much. And I think I guess one thing I didn't think about is that in that scene they've caught the woman who killed Martha Knapp's baby, right? And they have that they finally got to the right person and it's terrible that Martha Knapp had to die but they still brought justice to the person who actually did the crime that she was killed for. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that that kind of draws a bigger conclusion to the end of
1: the season. So that's good. Something I didn't realize initially. Um I really wanted a I hate to reference a Dark Knight twice in the same episode, but I really wanted a Dark Knight style, Sarah's voiceover narration intercut mm-hmm. with the other characters somehow portraying what she's talking about, like talking about not being measured by her fail failures and showing Laszlo this would have been a good time to show him reckoning with the Institute maybe, or some, or like Polly or something like that, or, or, you know, then another portion of that speech showing John, like, I, I just, I just love when that kind of stuff happens in, in movies and TV. And I feel like that's a excellent use of the medium that doesn't necessarily happen enough.
0: Yeah. No, I think that could have been,
1: that could have been great. It also elevates, Um, it elevates Sarah, uh already where she is to an even higher position if she becomes sort of the the overall narrator of these people's lives actually lucius it would have been a perfect time to show lucius dealing because mm-hmm. he literally the last we see of him is like him shooting Gugu, and that's it we don't see any of the development there on for him so yeah it would have been a yeah. good time to show him uh yeah anyway I also forgot to mention in the restaurant scene, the John's line, his Harvard line was so good about yes. how he he paid attention in some of the classes they went to. I I, I did attend some of the classes in our Harvard education as something. Yeah, and I think that's, that, I that's some old that's some OS old school John Moore, Laszlo banter <laughs> that I live for. It was so yeah. good, and for a minute, there's a little twinkle in Luke Evans' eye, and I was like, there he is. There's the old yep. John Moore still in there somewhere beautiful yeah very, it was very a wonderful good. the the friendship between him and laszlo is something that i feel like gets a little bit muddled too the fact they've known each other since they were kids and yeah. they that tie and that love and that bond runs really really deeply i think that's also kind of part of the fun reason that he he just kind of claps him on the shoulder because he knows he will be back he's like i'll, yeah. I'll see you in a few months bro yeah i still won't be a dad you'll come back we'll have three months to tear it up <laughs> um and then yeah,
0: the fact that Kitty Burns is introduced and it seems like one of uh one of Burns' daughters that he spoke of to Doctor Marco, mm-hmm. uh, has he's seen Sarah's worth and, and has kind of like finally relented and is like, I want my daughter to learn from somebody like you, I think is a very beautiful message for the yeah for his character and the show overall. Definitely.
1: She should yeah. have had some gnarly facial hair. She should have been the hairiest chick. Just walking, just walking with this mustache. It would have been so good. It's no doubt
0: she's Burns's yeah. Burns' daughter or whatever she is. That would have been very good. It should have just been Ted Levine in a dress. <laughs> Ted Levine's face Benjamin Buttoned on to like a, a, a wiry girl. Yes.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man was so good incredible no that um, was a very that was a very touching little moment to slip in there it was really nice and and man i was like how is sarah paying all these people there's like 12 women there running around work and i was like she must be doing great and business must be booming i have to assume and that's the,
0: that's another thing that i wish we got to see we didn't really see any reckoning with the vanderbilts and, mm-hmm. and kind of like yeah i assume she's in gold with the vanderbilts right that's true and probably yeah got she got a, very handsomely paid.
1: Definitely. Um, yeah. That's a great point.
0: So I I wish we got kind of an ending with the Vanderbilts and kind of another thing that maybe we can touch on, uh, in a, in a season wrap up episode would be, um, just really, what was the point of, of the Dr. Marco stuff? I think he's meant to be a lot of a red, red herring, herring, yeah. but, um, it, it feels like there could have been a lot more as I tried to mention last episode uh but cut out of the episode i i was kind of thinking that libby um might have been uh libby's baby might have been one of the babies that marco killed after libby was brought to the lying in hospital or something like that which would have caused her to become the killer that she is but um clearly that didn't come to pass but but that was kind of where my head was putting Dr. Marco in the grand scheme of things. So mm-hmm. I think red herrings are fine, but it just kind of feels like he he hung around for so much longer than he maybe needed to yeah. this season. Yeah. Despite it being four weeks long. Mm. So <laughs> It's true.
1: Yeah. Yeah, my... F- Any other thoughts? My final note was just... I kind of front-ended it into episode seven, just saying this show is definitely his best when it's about the characters, and the books are the best when they're about the mystery. Like, that's the... That's kind of where they stand opposed to each other. And I really, like you said, I've grown to love these characters a lot more in this season than in season one. I had a great time with season one, but I think I was kind of like, this is a fun, silly show. And now I have a much deeper level of respect for it and appreciation. And I'm fully prepared for a season three if there is. I mean, I have some ideas of where it could go. I have some theories and, uh, we can talk about that in the future, I guess.
0: Yeah. I I think we should in the next episode. I think, um, one of the things that I was reading was that, um, I, I had just kind of looked for an article and I can't remember where it was. I'll try to post it in this episode notes if people want to check it out. But, um, they had talked to, uh, luke evans and luke evans was very down to return he's like i love playing john i would love to be back for a season three so it sounds like a lot of the people that we would want there would would probably return um the showrunner um i can't remember his name mentioned that he wanted caleb carr to have more material uh to to go off of so and and obviously caleb carr has had these two other books that he's considered uh uh working on or that he's currently working on um so it, uh, it it's kind of weird where they whether or not they'll wait a little while for another book or what they're going to try and do with it but i i honestly would love to to come back and and see these characters in a third
1: season so yeah me too all right i think uh lazlo's quote which i had to look up because i wanted to get the wording right was one of the most beautiful qualities of true friendship is to understand and to be understood and I think that was a really just alarmingly beautiful way to sum up the the quest that they've all gone on together. and uh, likewise, the the journey that we get to continually go on when we get to do these shows and talk about these things, so it's been a lot of fun. I'm really glad that we made four w- weeks of watching <laughs> two episodes and recording two episodes work. It's been yeah, uh, it's been good me too i honestly even
0: when we made our primer episode we didn't really know that it was going to air this way Mm -hmm. and they like moved it up a week too which was interesting so um but i think everything fell into place pretty well and um by the end of that first season i feel like i remember saying something along the lines of i don't know that i would have watched through the season if it weren't something that you were so invested in and something that we were making a show about but by the end of this season, I feel as though I'm happy that I did because I appreciate season two a lot more than I appreciated season one. Yeah, And so it's it's been a great journey and uh, curious to see if they want to continue it. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to talk more about the season as a whole.
1: Uh, probably next week would be my guess. So. Yeah. Everybody, please write in all of your final feedback for this yes. season and possibly this series. This could be it. Hopefully not. now's your chance. Yes. You can hear me
0: stutter through all of your words because I'm that bad at reading.
1: And you are going to read that other email next time, right? Yes. Okay. Mariana
0: perfect. had a, had quite a long email. It was very good. I'm going to forward it to you too. So you can take a look at okay. it before we discuss, but perfect. Um, uh, uh, very excited to talk about your feedback. Please write in feedback at the alienist dot TV. We would love to hear from you. And, um, Yeah. Once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on TheAlienist.tv. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Podcasts. You can email us at feedback at TheAlienist.tv to tell us what you think of our podcast. Share your thoughts on TNT's The Alienist so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding The Alienist or our podcast. Check out MidwestPodcastNetwork.com for the rest of our shows if you want to listen to us after The Alienist has wrapped up. Our theme music is the song Division by Kevin MacLeod and it is being used under an Attribution Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of The Alienist Recap. We can't wait to see what next season of The Alienist brings if there is one, but until then, we will see you at the chalkboard.